0: Welcome to the Reasonable Theology Podcast, where we present sound doctrine in plain language. We're here to help you better understand, articulate, and live out the fullness of the Christian faith. And now, here's your host, Clay Craby.
1: Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Our guest on this episode is Daryl Dash. He's the pastor of Liberty Grace Church in Toronto. He's also the co-founder of Gospel for Life and director of Advanced Church Planting Institute. He has a doctor of ministry degree from Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, over 25 years of ministry experience. Daryl's married to Charlene. He has two adult children, Christy and Josiah, and you can find Daryl online at dashhouse.com. Pastor Dash, thanks so
0: much for joining us. It is so good to be with you. Thank you for having me today.
1: Now, to begin, could you share a little bit about yourself and your family and your ministry?
0: Yeah, so I am a pastor in downtown Toronto, and for those of the, the audience that doesn't know where Toronto is, it is just about an hour and a bit away from Buffalo, uh, believe it or not, north of Buffalo. So uh, very close to the States, uh, you know, we're geographically very close, and I'm downtown Toronto, which means I'm in a um, a condo community in one of the most secular cities in North America, and I have the privilege of planting a church here. I always tell people uh, where we are, make Seattle or Portland look like the Bible belt. And uh, so it's a challenging but, uh, area, but I really love it here. And I'm married to Shardine. We were empty nesters for about, uh, I think, two weeks. And then my son with COVID ended up moving back home. So um, I, I thought I was an empty nester about a year ago, but it just didn't last. So uh, <laughs> right now we have our son at home and uh, yeah, it's it's been busy, but it's it's been a really good year.
1: That's great. And you have a a new book out. It's Eight Habits for Growth, a simple guide to becoming more like Christ. Could you share a little bit about what led you to write this book?
0: You know, it's funny. As a a pastor, I'm planting in this area where really people walk in and they have no Christian background at all. And I remember looking at somebody who came in the door one day and just thinking, I've got to (laughs) help these people build habits they need to grow. I'm, as a pastor for a long time now, I've been, I I know kind of how to run a church. I know how to, you know, run the services and cast a vision and administer and all that kind of thing. But it is so easy to do everything except for disciple the people we have. So my wife was working for a nutrition company. And at first I thought they were snake oil salespeople. And it turned out they were really good. They had PhDs in, in science and nutrition. And what they were able to do was to take all the scientific research and convert it into simple habits that people could follow. Nothing really out, outlandish or crazy, but just small habits that we all know we should be doing. And they were able to help people basically take all this scientific knowledge and translate it into basically actionable advice. And Around that time, I began to think about how can I help my people? And I thought, what if I took the riches of theology? I love theology. I'm a bit of a theology nerd. I love reading you know, great theological works, but my people aren't there. What if I found a way to help my people develop the habits they need that are simple enough that would you know, really help them begin to grow in their spiritual lives? So this book really came out of my ministry as a church planter and pastor. I wrote it for our people in our church. I never thought it would become a book. So it's really cool to see it become something that hopefully will be useful to other people too.
1: Definitely sounds like it fulfills a need there. Do you see this as primarily a helpful resource to the new believer or do you see this really as being a help to someone who might have been a believer for many years?
0: What I've discovered is a lot of people who, even if they've been believers for a long time, they really aren't practicing some of these habits. And I was—I like to think of it as, as you know, in, in sports, we had a, a few professional athletes come out to our church for a while, and every year they would go to training camp, and they would review the basics. They would be right back to you know the the very simple things, and you never move beyond those basics. So I actually think the book is going to be helpful for new believers, but I think it's also good. I, you know, I think it's good for me, right? Uh, even as I've I've been thinking about it recently, there's a few areas I need to brush up on, and yeah, so I think we never really outgrow these eight habits.
1: And as the listener hears or the reader uh, of your book reads those eight habits, I think they will see that these are the basics that you you don't outgrow them. You you might grow in your your depth of your understanding and your faithfulness to these things, but we never graduate from prayer or scripture reading, right?
0: Absolutely. That's right. I have a friend who's a paramedic and he says that, uh, you know, he went to paramedic school and, and the guy said, okay, I'll tell you in 30 seconds, everything you need to know to be a paramedic, ABC airway, breathing, circulation. That's basically all you need to know as a paramedic. And he said, okay, that's a 30 second version. Now, Buckle in because you're going to get like the one-year training on what that means. And I think of that often, right? It, it's so simple, and yet it can take a lifetime to unpack the, the basic habits and, and build them into our lives.
1: So your book is centered around these eight habits for growth, eight different things that the believer can be attentive to to help them become more like Christ. What are those eight habits that you write about
0: so really the first two habits are uh, just beginning, they're almost like pre-habits and they're clearing the space basically to begin to develop the other habits. Uh, so number one is make time. People are busy. Uh, I don't know wh- what it's like where you are, uh, but I know where I am. If you wanna drive people crazy, wait until the light turns green and just wait half a second and the people behind you will start to honk. <laughs> people are in a rush and so busy and. And we just find we need to help people make 10, 15 minutes a day to even make room to begin to work through this book and then to build rest into their lives. I often think of the fact that Adam and Eve, God created Adam and Eve, the, the very next day, it's like, okay, what, what's, what are we doing today, Lord? And the Lord says to them, today is Sabbath. You haven't done any work yet. I've just created you and it's time for rest. And most people I know don't have a rhythm of rest in their life. And I think they expect to read a book about habits and they're they're just waiting for me to pile it on. And I actually, the first two habits are, are fairly freeing and just creating space for rest and, and building uh, margin into your life to do what's important. And then I get into three habits that I think people would expect a book like this to cover. Uh, the Bible, prayer, and the church, and then I, I throw a curveball again and talk about the body. And you know, I can get into this in a minute if you'd like. But that's such a neglected area, right? We think we're spiritual beings, and we really neglect the fact that God has made us as physical beings, and that our everything's connected. And then the last two habits, I try to help people not just practice this for a short time, but the last two habits are designed to, to help you fit this into your life for the rest of your life so really it's it's fairly simple kind of preparation then the core of the book and then the last couple habits are how to build them into your life on a permanent basis
1: so this book isn't solely about spiritual disciplines prayer and bible memorization and bible reading but it's a bit broader in that and the other habits that you have to set in order to even go about those spiritual disciplines is that right
0: Absolutely. You know, I, I heard of one guy and he was really struggling spiritually and he went to get advice. And, and so the guy said, OK, well, tell me about your life. You're, you're struggling. Tell me what's going on in your life. And he said, well, it came out he was eating basically potato chips as his diet. He was sleeping about four hours a day. And and his mentor said, I, I think I found your problem. You need a better diet and you need to get more sleep. And and the person was so offended because he said I came looking for spiritual advice, and you're giving me physical advice. Well, the reality is, our whole lives are interconnected. So, you know how we spend our time, uh, how we the amount of rest we get, how we treat our body, our Bible intake. We can't compartmentalize our lives. All of it belongs to God. God wants us to love Him with all of our lives. So we really need to build habits that help us love God with our whole lives, not just the spiritual part of our lives.
1: That reminds me of a seminary professor who quoted someone else who I can't recall, but uh, was just encouraging us as busy seminarians that, you know, sometimes the most godly thing you can do right now is take a nap. And, exactly. And that's, and that's really true, is people want often, and no doubt in your pastoral ministry, you found similar situations of your own, of, of people wanting merely to think through some sort of spiritual reason, uh, some spiritual solution, which is good and valid and there are those, but sometimes in the midst of that there is too. Hey, go for a walk, uh, get to bed before ten PM. You know, there there's that element too that that really is important.
0: Absolutely. And and we're finding that, right? It, our lives are just so interconnected. Uh I'm I think guys especially are good at compartmentaling as a, compartmentalizing, but yeah we're we're just old beings and god cares about all of it and um my wife has actually been a big help to me in that in helping me see you know maybe it's because i'm a guy and i tend to compartmentalize but it's just all interconnected and um if we suffer in one area of our lives it affects us spiritually and if uh, the the opposite is true if we make progress in an area of our lives and become healthier uh it actually that helps our spiritual lives often
1: Yeah, so taking care of our bodies, making sure we're getting adequate rest, that's really important. Lest anyone here in this conversation think that that's the sole thing you're approaching, can you speak to some of those, you know, typical spiritual disciplines and how important those habits are as well?
0: You know, the core three that I really want to get at, and, you know, I feel a bit silly for writing a book that basically, you know, the, the central habits in the middle, I call them core habits, are reading the Word, engaging the Bible, speaking with God, and worshiping and belonging within the church. And it's so basic, right? Uh, I remember being a kid and hearing, if you want to grow, you need to read the Bible and pray and, and get involved with God's people. But here's the thing. I don't know anybody who is growing spiritually who isn't doing those three things. Without fail, everyone I know who's maturing spiritually and growing in their love for God they are in the word of God on a regular basis. They're cultivating a prayer life. By the way, I don't know anybody who says they've arrived at prayer. Uh, I only know strugglers at prayer. Even the most advanced prayers are still feeling like I'm just in the very beginning stages of learning how to pray. But they pray. And then everybody I know who's growing spiritually is also involved in the life of a church. Not just attending, but showing up ready to engage in relationship, ready to engage in worship. And what I found is the opposite. when. I get stuck or when I find somebody who's getting stuck, it's usually one of those three areas that's suffering. I'll, I'll ask somebody who's struggling spiritually, well, tell me about your Bible reading pattern and I'll find out they're not. And tell me about your prayer life and I'll find out that they're really not praying or that they've detached from the church. So those three habits, uh, I've even found studies that show those three habits, there's other ones that are important, but those three habits when it comes to growing spiritually, are absolutely crucial. Um, I want to add to this you know I, I don't want anybody to get the idea that you know the, there's any power in the habits themselves. I think it's important to remember the habits are just means to an end. The end is God. Uh, we are not we obviously believe the Holy Spirit has to transform us. There's nothing we can do to change ourselves, including building habits that but, uh, but really what I think the habits do is they put us in the path of grace. They connect us with the things that god has promised to bless and so for instance there's the habit of, the habit of reading the bible i don't think the power is in the habit itself the power is in god's word and god has promised as we read the word of god that the holy spirit will do his work through his word um the same with prayer right there's no power in the habit itself the power is in God and as we connect with him, as we seek intimacy with him, he promises that if we seek him, we'll find him. And with church, again, there's nothing virtuous. I guess there is virtue, something virtuous. It's not innately the act of going to church, but God promises to meet us as we meet with his people. So yeah, it's it's not a mechanistic thing. It's not like the habits help us themselves. The habits just put us in the path of work of the things that God promises to bless.
1: Now, as you developed this for your church and eventually in putting it in book form, uh, there's no doubt many good habits that we could be developing. There's probably some that perhaps were good and helpful that maybe just didn't make the list as you tried to narrow it down. What were your reasons for narrowing this down to these eight specific habits?
0: Really, I think what it was is just getting to know my people, Uh, and realizing I've got to keep this very, very simple. Uh, I like to think of the uh, mother of of newborn twin test and think, am I giving any advice that she can't keep? Uh, So if I say, man, you've got to do, you know, an hour's worth of devotions and, and then you've got to, you know, you've got to make sure that you're at the, you're volunteering at least two nights a week. And well, it's just not possible. And, really wanted to do is is to get to the core habits. Um, There's other ones you can build into your life, but these, I think these are really, I like to think at least some of the irreducible minimums that people need to build into their lives. So yeah, basically Clay, I was just trying to keep it as simple as possible and especially to help people create space and then build the core habits and then make them sustainable. So the last two habits, by the way, are simplify and prioritize. And then to go the distance, I think we'll talk about that in a minute, just how can you take these habits and actually uh, custom build them for your life? Because what works for me won't work for you. I just try to make it as simple as possible and give people handles to grab onto what would really help them grow.
1: If you enjoy the sermons and written works of C.H. Spurgeon, I encourage you to check out the all new chspurgeon.com. Here you'll find free, unabridged sermon audio delivered with the dynamic of live preaching, articles written by and about the Prince of Preachers, a chronological bibliography of all his books, and much more. This will be a growing library of Spurgeon-related resources to help you in your walk with the Lord. So check it out at chspurgeon.com. Yeah, it is helpful. and. When people hear the word habits, uh, they're often thinking of things like flossing or exercising or, you know, these these small things that we're trying to do uh, for self-improvement reasons or for health reasons. Can you share a little bit why it's so helpful to think in terms of habits, of these relatively small, consistent actions when we're talking about spiritual growth?
0: You know, they they say that we live uh, about half of our life on autopilot. And that means we live half of our life habitually. When I go to bed at night, I don't stand at the ed- end of my bed and look and wonder what side of the bed I'm going to sleep in. I made that decision years ago. And I just naturally get into the same, uh, the same side of the bed every day. Uh, the same thing when I get in a car. I remember when I learned to drive, every step was laborious. Uh, I used to get in the car and... Okay, what next? Put on the seatbelt. And then, you know, it would take me about five minutes to go through all the steps. Well, now I, it's so habitual that I just get in the car without even thinking and it just happens automatically. And so I think what habits are, are there? They're just these almost autopilot behaviors. The reason why habits are so powerful when it comes to pursuing God is, man, if we could tap into those automatic behaviors and customize them so that they're actually helping us grow spiritually. That way, when we wake up every day, we're not thinking, oh, today I wonder what I'm going to do to pursue God. If those behaviors that would help us grow spiritually could just become automatic, then again, it's, it's not an automatic path to growth. The Pharisees were really good at keeping habits and they completely missed the point. So it's not automatic, but at least it gives us a head start to begin to encounter God and do the things that God has promised to bless so uh, to bless so i i think habits are just so powerful because they engage in our automatic behaviors and if doing things like bible reading and and prayer and caring for our body and engaging with the church if those things become automatic i think it just really helps us to grow
1: and can you speak a little bit to how and why seeing these things as habits doesn't need to cheapen our our prayer life or scripture reading or our Bible memory or whatever else. Just because it's a habit doesn't mean that it's rote or automatic. Can you talk a little bit about why it's still helpful to think in terms of habits when some people might be a little bit uncomfortable when we're thinking of spiritual things as habits?
0: yeah i I mean a good parallel for me would be about five years ago my wife and i developed the habit every morning of um, you know we eat breakfast together and then we make a coffee and then weather permitting we go outside and we sit in the summer or in the winter we'd sit inside and we spend about half an hour talking and praying and that's just become a habit it's an automatic behavior i miss when i don't do it it is although it's automatic it's not rote and so this morning, uh, actually we missed it, which was unfortunate, but I, man, when we miss it, I feel it. But tomorrow morning when we do it, even though it's a habitual behavior, there's nothing wrote about it. It just is a time for me to engage the heart of my wife and uh, to invest in our marriage. And so automatic doesn't mean that it becomes rote or uh, mechanical or anything like that. In fact, my wife can tell when I do it mechanically, right? She knows when I'm not there. Maybe I'm there physically, but my mind's a million miles away and she'll call me out on it. I think the same is true with our spiritual habits, that when we habitually open the word of God, whatever time of day that is, it's just beautiful to say, okay, I'm not here just to check the box of I've read scripture. I'm here to meet with God and I need to engage my heart. I need, if if I just read the scripture and miss the presence of God, then i really, Miss the whole point of this so yeah habits don't mean that it's mechanistic or routine in a sense it's routine but it's not rote it we can still engage our hearts and connect in a very meaningful way with with the living god who desires to meet with us
1: and like other things that are for our health and for our growth and development, yeah, you might make them a habits, but that's not a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing you brush your teeth in the morning. It's a good thing that you eat lunch. It's a good thing that you exercise regularly. Habits can be helpful, and like you said, they don't have to become rote or mechanical, but it's about investing and in making time to do what is most important.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I always think my wife uh, especially loves to go to the gym and do weights. I've done that, too, and I like to do it with her. But sometimes my form is sloppy and somebody will come in and where we live, people don't mind pointing out that you're doing an exercise wrong. And they'll always say, engage the core. And what they're saying is basically don't just do the exercise. You've really got to engage your the core of your body to get the benefit from the exercise. And so i think of that with the habits don't just do the habits engage the core as you do all of these things make sure your heart is engaging that way it'll you'll actually be exercising the right muscles and and it'll benefit you
1: now when we're trying to develop better habits a common struggle that we all have is staying on track we might come out of the gate really strong but a week two weeks three weeks down the road we're really struggling What advice do you have for those who struggled in the past to put that consistent effort into prayer or Bible reading or exercise or some other habit?
0: So what I would say is three things. Uh, First is it really helps to shrink the challenge. I like to tell people, make it so realistic that you're 90 percent sure that you can carry out that behavior so if somebody comes to me and says, man, this year I am I really am determined to read the Word of God and, you know, I'm going to read for half an hour every morning, I'll look at them and say, are you 90% sure that you can keep that up? And most of the time they'll say, actually, no, I'm not. And, and so make the challenge realistic, keep shrinking. And if you tend to struggle, then maybe shrink it even more. Uh, I love the whole idea of making the habits so small that they're almost you know, a no fail option in your life instead of trying to pray for 20 minutes every day, if you if you don't have a habit of praying, maybe just set a goal of praying for two minutes every day and build from there. The second thing I would say is there is no shame in failing. Uh, I love the whole idea of a clean slate policy, which is really, you know, if you fail, pick yourself up the next day and get right back at it. Or if you miss a few days, wipe the slate clean. I think that's actually the gospel, right? There's more grace in God than our ability to fail. God is so gracious that even if if we really struggle at building habits, even if we're inconsistent, he promises to give us all the grace that we need. So yeah, wipe the slate clean, don't expect perfection. The third thing I would say is that I think doing things imperfectly and consistently is actually more effective than we think a lot of us think we have to do something perfectly to benefit from it but doing something consistently and imperfectly actually has a lot of power Uh, and so yeah i think just taking the the obligation out of it the guilt out of it building that consistency even if it's imperfect shrinking the challenge and practicing the clean slate policy all of that's really really beneficial
1: Really helpful tips, and you can see why that would be a benefit uh, in these spiritual arenas, but also some of those other arenas that you tackle as far as making time or getting adequate rest or taking care of your physical body. All of those those three tips will be really helpful to staying on track and when you inevitably get off track, getting back on track.
0: Yeah, and the reality is all of us do get off track. And, you know, as much as I'm a believer in these habits— we're not going to get them all right perfectly all the time. And that's okay. I, w- I found a huge relief. I heard somebody being interviewed. I consider him to be one of the most spiritually mature people I know. And somebody was asking him about his devotional life. And he said, well, it really depends. It depends what's going on in my life. It could range anywhere from, you know, a lot of days, it's an hour every morning. But there might be days that it's it's two minutes because I wake up and I've, I've got a meeting first thing in the morning. So I think, yeah, there just realizing, man, we're human, Uh, we have an ideal world. But the reality is if we just do these things consistently, but imperfectly, and we're not going to get it right all the time, but building these habits, at least most of the time is going to make a huge difference.
1: Now, the final habit you have in your book is building a rule of life. Can you share more about what that means and how we do it?
0: You you know, one day, uh, Clay, I was, I was teaching about habits at a conference and so i was laying it on i was i was teaching about some of the principles i've learned about habits well the pastor was so wise what he did was he convened a panel after i was done speaking and he put about eight people on the panel and they were all different some of them were you know one guy was retired Uh, another was a young mother with young children another was a student I, i think another one was a business person And what he did, all these people, different genders, different life stages, uh, different pressures. He he said, "Okay, how are you building these habits into your life? The thing that I loved was every person gave a different answer. They were all practicing the habits, but it all looked different depending on their life stage and demands and personality and and build uh, their makeup. So I think building a rule of life is figuring out what does this look like in your life? I'll give you another example. One time I, I really got excited about a Bible reading program and I told my wife about it. I said, you've got to do this too. What well, she did, she came back about three months later and she said, Daryl, you've completely ruined my devotional life. You've taken what works for you and imposed it on me and I'm now having to rebuild my devotional life to what it was. So building a rule of life is essentially figuring out what's my owner's manual? What are the things that I found worked in my life and so I try to give some practical tips about you know, looking at what works in the past, uh, maybe even looking as they've worked through the book. What have you enjoyed? What have you not enjoyed? Where have you struggled? If you're a morning person, maybe you need to do more of these things in the morning. If you're a night person, don't let anybody guilt you and say, you've got to get up at six in the morning and do them. Building a rule of life is really about building a structure in your life that works for you.
1: Yeah, that's helpful. And you can see why that's perhaps the capstone of these eight habits as you as you walk through them in your book.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it's actually hard to do. I find that some people panic when it's like, okay, figure out how it works for you. And so I've just had to simplify that habit. And in the book, I try to make it really as clear as possible. And I hope anyway, I, I've got good feedback, but I hope that it's accessible enough that people can yeah, just take the pressure off and begin to figure out how it'll work in their life. Again, I remember we had a, uh, we have the Tronomy Beliefs and NHL hockey team here. And one of the people that was worked through the book, he was a head physiotherapist for this pro hockey team. And so he would be traveling, right? And get home from a game and have to travel on an airplane and get home the next morning. And the whole idea of building a rule of life, it's like, man, Ryan, don't, You've got to figure out what does it look like in your life with those unique pressures to follow God. And I just love that, that there's flexibility to adapt it to our lifestyle and not like a one-size-fits-all.
1: Yeah, that is helpful. Maybe prevent a lot of discouragement along the way, too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, the, we, we get so discouraged. I don't know what it is about us. We're so good at criticizing ourselves. I think this should be an invitation. And and God, wants, God just desires to meet with us. He loves us. He has a lot of grace for us. So as much as we can lean into that, it, it just is so helpful.
1: So what's the first action step you'd recommend a person take after reading your book and learning about these eight habits?
0: You know, one action step that I think would go a long way is to share this book with a friend. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I've just found it's a lot easier to really build lasting habits in our lives with support and the other benefit of doing this with a friend is uh, sometimes i think we overcomplicate discipleship we we just think that we have to you know be advanced or we have to be at a certain stage what i found in the past is if somebody comes to me and says i remember talking to one guy and saying would you be my mentor and he said i won't be your mentor i'll be your friend and i just love that right he said i want to walk with you I'm not the expert. I just want to walk beside you and together we can go after God. So I think, I I mean, it's optional. If you're an extreme introvert, maybe do it alone. That's okay, too. But I just think there's a lot of power in saying, hey, there's these eight habits that I want to develop. Are you interested too? If so, let's walk together as long as it takes. We don't have to rush through it. And let's actually work through and try to see if we can support each other in building these habits into our lives. So i think it goes a lot better if we do it together with other people
1: absolutely well can you share as we close here where people can go to learn more about you and your ministry and pick up a copy of the book
0: yeah the best place to get the book uh there's a number of places anywhere really books are sold i know there's one place uh in the us it's called 10 of those uh the number 10 10 uh, of those.com And if you search for 8 Habits for Growth there, uh, you'll get, I think, 24% off. But yeah, really anywhere, Amazon, anywhere that books are sold, you'll be able to get it. And if people are interested in uh, following me online, I would love that. My uh, website is dashhouse.com, D-A-S-H-H-O-U-S-E.com. And uh, by all means, send me an email if you have any questions about the book or any comments. I would really love to hear from you. So, I, yeah, it gives me a rush when I, I get to hear from the readers of the book. So I'd love to hear from you.
1: Excellent. We'll be sure to link to all those things at the show notes at reasonabletheology.org. Our guest today has been Pastor Daryl Dash. He is author of the book, Eight Habits for Growth, A Simple Guide to Becoming More Like Christ. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: It has been so good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Reasonable Theology podcast. Be sure to visit reasonabletheology.org for more helpful resources on understanding, articulating, and living out the Christian faith. In addition to the show notes for this episode, you'll find articles, videos, book reviews, and much more. That's reasonabletheology.org.
1: Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the Reasonable Theology podcast, go to reasonabletheology.org slash subscribe and get the weekly email. Each week I send out the latest article or podcast episode and each email also includes a helpful definition to expand your theological vocabulary, a beautiful painting to pick in a scene from scripture or church history, a musical selection to enrich your day, as well as the best book deal I have found that week to add trusted resources to your library. Try it out at reasonabletheology.org slash subscribe.